Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! We are live. Welcome to episode number 61 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I'm Sam with Fowler Consulting. And I am Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And on today's episode, we are going to talk about supervisors. Super supervisors. I think for only the third time in 61 episodes, we are physically in the same place. I believe that would be correct. So we had the live one. Right. Satterwhite, episode two oh, or episode right. three. And then we did the one in the kitchen with all of the audio mishaps. Oh my gosh, the audio mishaps. So this was this is number four. This would be four. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, all right, Lucas, um, drop us some Tim Tom Petty or Tim Petty. Uh, Tim Tom's a very unknown brother. You know, Sam, before we get into learning to fly and actually learning and teaching and training and talking supervisors, I just wanted to share a random mishap. This wouldn't be a uh, Homewood's Suites mishap. Would it, it would be. And it's totally not on them. It's totally on me. So I, uh, about four or five months ago, went on to the Noom app to lose some weight, lost some weight, changed the way I eat. So breakfast is like egg whites and spinach. And I have one salad a day that's got peppers and carrots and like, six to eight ounces of chicken because I'm in a hotel room. The salad is that with the frozen grilled chicken strips, fine microwave them. They're not the best, but it still gets the job done. And because you and I are getting back to the hotel room at like 11 o'clock, not that we're sharing room. I should say back to the hotel at 11 o'clock. There is no room sharing here other than for this podcast episode. I don't want to eat a heavy meal at 11 o'clock at night. So I eat the salad with the, the chicken. And after four or five days, I burned through my two pound bag of chicken and I threw it away. And I knew housekeeping was coming through. Housekeeping comes through every other day for me. I knew housekeeping was coming through, threw it away in the morning. Housekeeping came through. I came into my room that night and something had died. Something terrible had died in my room. And I'm like, oh, dear God, where is it? And it didn't dawn on me that it was like, like there was nothing left in that chicken bag except a couple ice kernels. But that must have been enough. I had to prop the windows open. Cut the AC on, turn the the bathroom vent on because something died in that room. Trash can went outside into the hall, let it die outside. Took like 36 hours. But my hotel room is now normal again, as opposed to, oh my God, a crime was committed here. <laughs> well, you know, I guess that explains my Wednesday morning walk through the hotel because I felt like a crime had been committed. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Shared that with everyone. Wow. That's and amazing. now I have shared that with everyone. We're here in fabulous Salt Lake City. Mike Rompel has picked up 21 former Team USA stores and he was kind enough to bring you and I out here and we are shadowing supervisors and we thought, Man, what a great time to talk about supervisors and how they can be more effective. It's an interesting conundrum. Um, if I may explain some of my situation, Sam. So as salesmen, because that's what we are, we're, we're not actually consultants. We're not actually facilitators. We're selling solutions to problems. Yep. Right. 
So as a salesman that sells solutions to problems, my problem that I, my solution that I sell the most is my supervisor class. For you to have a problem, someone has to recognize they have a problem. So let's talk through what a supervisor currently does in today's environment on average. Is that a fair way to do this? Yeah, I think that the easiest way for us to sell our solutions is to come up with features and benefits. And those features and benefits have to address their problem. So I'm with you. If they don't understand they have a problem, we're not going to have any features and benefits. And that's, I think, where the rub is right now is that if you're listening to this and you're short-staffed, more likely than not, and you have a supervisor, more likely than not, that person is running shifts. And if you're that person, you're probably wearing an apron right now as you listen to this. Correct. Probably elbow deep in cornmeal in the next half hour. Or as my friend Spencer would say, lost in the sauce. That's another fabulous way to put that. So let's look at what the problem is here. What's the problem? If I'm a franchisee, my supervisor is keeping my store open. If I'm a supervisor, I'm a hero. I'm giving a GM a day off, a shift leader a day off. I'm keeping the store open. And if I'm a GM, my supervisor is awesome. They came in to cover my store. No one actually has a problem, except everyone actually has a problem. Because that supervisor right now is the highest paid shift leader in your organization. Under the assumption they are just running the shift, if that supervisor has an assistant manager tied to them at the hip, that they're training them, that there's an exit strategy, that would be amazing. But I can tell you, Sam, over the last five months of this staffing shortage weirdness we've been going through, 95% of the time, I haven't seen that. It's just the supervisor running shifts. Well, and you know, you mentioned that they're the most expensive shift runner. For me, on the list of problems, that's... That's way down the list. It is. Because, you know, if we simply think about the business in dollars and cents, I think we miss the opportunity. We all know that we can't turn enough lights to get to the profitability potential that we want. We can't turn off the third or the second oven for enough time to get to the profitability that we want. We've got to be driving that top line to get to the bottom line. And if our supervisors are wearing aprons and they're playing in the cornmeal and they're lost in the sauce, then they're not doing what I think is one of their primary responsibilities, and that's identifying and developing talent so that we've got enough bench strength to split these stores that are doing too much business, or we've got enough talent to keep the stores that we have open to full capacity. So that's where I was going to go next because most shift leaders don't develop talent, they just open the store close the store. There's nothing else going on there. I show up, I make some pizzas, I go home. And and the supervisors need to do so much more than that. If you're a general manager and your supervisor's running shifts, now I get it. Most of the people that listen to this are the really good GMs. But let's play this out for just a second. If I'm a GM and my supervisor's running shifts, I have no other support. Because if they're running shifts, they can't help me. They can't answer my question. They can't come to my rescue. So I start feeling neglected. I'm a good GM and I start feeling neglected because no one cares about me. No one's coming to see me because my supervisor's running shifts in another store. And if that's not clearly communicated every day, I'm at this store, call me if you need me. Then the GM start to believe that supervisor isn't running shifts. They're just not there. And now I've created two problems because now my best employees, the ones who are still here, who are still doing the job, feel neglected, feel left out, feel unwanted, feel unsupported. To your point, Sam, as a supervisor, I'm not doing my job of developing talent and finding talent of training talent. And now now I have the potential to lose more talent. 
And the other thing is not only are they feeling neglected, but we've talked about this in previous episodes and we've been talking about it while we're here in Salt Lake City. If we carve out time for our top performers as supervisors, as multi-unit leaders, we get such a better return on that investment. Because as you said, we believe that only the, the top performers are listening to this podcast. And when they do, we get feedback all the time that says, hey, I picked this up, I picked this up. And as a multi-unit supervisor, if you're spending time with those top performers, you find that they start to reach higher potential. You know, as I looked on power this morning at our 21 stores here in Salt Lake, Kent Bates and I have determined, you know, where we're at with the four stores that, that we're kind of overseeing. And one of them was number one in the 21 stores last night for load time, wait time, ADT, and their C dot was a hundred. That's that's okay. I mean it could be better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And when you go into the restaurant, it's clean and they're excited to see you and they want to know what they can do next. In this highly competitive world we look, we work in, we can help the performers set the buyer higher and higher and higher. All ships rise when the tide rises. So we want to make sure that we're spending time with those folks. And it's really hard to do that. You are stuck in the cornmeal and lost in the sauce. So how do we help the supervisors get out and get to be more effective than Sam? Well, where would you like to start? For me, the key is we've got to spend more time with fire prevention than firefighting. We've got to realize, and you know, the thing I'm most grateful for that, that Mike had us out here is it, it keeps you and I grounded. We're not simply some guy sitting at a desk talking about experiences that we've had 10 years ago, stuff that we experienced last night. And for the past 11 days and the next 17 days, and we're, we're in there, we're, we're actually doing it. I think the most important thing is to wake up every morning and have a purpose for every single visit and not a purpose that is so deep and long that no human being on the face of the earth could get it done, but have a purpose for at least one thing on every visit. And when you go in there and the fires start, absolutely put out the fires. But then look at your list and say, what do I need to get done before I leave? Some things on your list should be huge, giant boulders up, you know, 5,000 foot mountains. And then there should be some little things too that while I'm there, I could knock some of these smaller things off the list. So for instance, for us, we're trying to determine in our four restaurants, how many car top signs do we have in all four? Where do we need them? So that's a very low priority thing. But while we're visiting the stores, we could certainly take two minutes out of our day and inventory those. And then at the end of the night, say, well, we should deploy them here. And then we've got one thing done that didn't take very much time while we were looking at the primary mission of our visit that day. I'm a huge fan of that, Sam. I, I like where you're going with it. I would, I would add to it. Yes, when you see the fire, put the fire out. And then be your best fire marshal, right? Isn't it the fire marshal comes in to see how how the fire started? Fire marshal bill. Fire marshal bill. Just don't do that. Don't do that. It's such an old reference. There's going to be like four people that get that reference besides us, but it's okay. But I knew you would. And now Lucas is probably finding that drop and dropping it in right here, right now. And that's fine. Nice to meet you, folks. Fire marshal bill here. It's not enough to put out the fire because what's going to happen tomorrow, Sam? 
that fire is going to rekindle. Right. So we've got once we put out the fire, we've got to take the little bit of time we have to solve it, to try and stop it. And maybe the solve is, okay. on my priority list, I need to move up hiring an extra driver. And I need to find a shift leader of for my drivers. I need to find an assistant manager from from somewhere where I travel through the day. Right. Maybe that's the solution to putting out the fire. But at least now you can start to put a plan together around it. And and to your point, I'm a huge fan of of one purpose for per visit because the crew, like it's fire hose time, man. Especially here with these stores, right? We're hitting them with new expectations, new standards, actually following up on those standards. And some of these kids, they're really pushing back. Like I've been here three years. I know how to make a pizza. And okay, cool. Maybe not. And that's really hard for people to swallow that my square pizza isn't actually a good pizza because they've never been given feedback and silence is acceptance. And we know that. So if they haven't been given feedback, then they must be doing a good job because no one's told them they're not. And so we've got to find that way to, to go in with one singular purpose to find one way to make that small improvement in the store, because that small improvement to your point, Sam, if I push that boulder off the top of the mountain, it's going to pull other boulders with it. I like that boulder. That is a nice boulder. And that's exactly what I want to do is get that one person in the store doing it this way and then have them show someone else and have that person show someone else before I leave because I can start that boulder starting an avalanche down. And it's not just me making the changes the whole crew does. I think the other thing that would we would be remiss in not saying is that I'm running into some folks that are pushing back as well. On the other hand, I think the majority of the folks that we have set new expectations for and told them what we want moving forward are just simply doing it because they're finally being told. I think if you walk into any Domino's pizza restaurant anywhere in the country and change expectations the way we're, we're doing here, there's going to be people that push back. I think the majority of them are going to be grateful for having expectations because they want to win. Yeah, yeah. It's the, the pushback is the squeaky wheel right now. That's all. You know, the old saying is the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You know, I think I think the way we're going about the business, at least for the week that I've been here, is um, the squeaky wheel gets pushed to the side. Gets replaced. Gets, gets taken off the car. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We're, we're, we're not trying to fix these folks that, that don't want to get on the bus. And I've, I've probably said this. Um, yes, John Gordon, I'm using your bus reference a lot. Come on the podcast anytime you'd like. I'm telling folks that our bus only has one gear, and that's forward. It doesn't matter what you did last week. It doesn't matter what you were trained. You don't have to justify what I just saw. You just have to accept that what we're trying to do is make your life easier and make it better and give you better results. And let's move forward together. I can't change how you were treated. I can't change what expectations were given. I can't change that your DCO told you to fix everything this week, even though that's not humanly possible for anybody on the face of the earth. But what I can do is say, this is what we're going to accomplish. We'd like to accomplish it in this X amount of time. And here's the resources and support you're going to get. And for the people that have got on the bus, you know, as Colin Powell said, 
Some of them are following us simply out of curiosity. And I'm okay with that. They want to see what's going to happen next because they've seen so much stuff happen so quickly. In our restaurants, in Kent and I's restaurants, four of them have been remodeled in the last three days. And when I say remodeled, I'm not talking about a full-blown remodel, but I'm, I'm talking about chair rail all around the customer area, completely repainted, something's broken, we fixed it, we don't have car top signs, we got them. You're short on uniforms, here they are. Everything that they could possibly need to be set up for success and more importantly, meet the expectations that have been set are being provided for by the person that needs to provide them. So, you know, it's the bus is looking a little jankety on the outside, but once you get in it, you see that the engine's been replaced, the transmission's been replaced, the seats are recovered, and we're working on the outside. And all we've got to do is is go by the plate. So, so let me let me get back to the supervisors, please, because I feel like I went down a rabbit hole. You there. totally rabbited for the supervisors. I mean, legit, my class was called "How to Stop Firefighting." Like that was the subtitle of it because I know I was in it. They can't. It was amazing curriculum. By the way. They just can't firefight. It puts them in a position where they're at today, where it's lost in the sauce and elbow deep in cornmeal. So I have a plan for each store. I like to call it a a person in a process. That today I'm going to work with Sam on using scales all the time. Today I'm going to work with Drew on 100% driver. Whatever that is, right? I'm going to have a person in a process I'm working with because I want to make work small. Yes, I love that phrase that you use a lot. I, I want to get to just this one thing today. Yes. Customers are going to call. Yes, we've got to make pizzas. Yes, we've got to take orders and we've got to get them out the door. I want to fix. I want to improve. I want to train. I want to teach on one thing today. And that's it. It's not a fire hose then. It gives me a chance to show somebody how to do something or to step back and observe. And if you're a supervisor listening, stepping back and observing and not doing. Don't be a doer for a half hour and just watch what's going on, you will learn so much about the way your crew interacts. So, so you have a purpose. And maybe it's, it's not to teach Sam how to use scales, but it's to observe how the crew uses scales. How do they weigh product? Do they weigh product? I'm sure you've seen it, Sam, that there's a scale set up and it's all set there and the battery light is on and we just kind of like right over it. Absolutely. If we step back and observe, we see that and we're like, Ooh, we, we've got to figure out why, right? I got to ask them, why are you not using the scale? Is it in the way? Is it too high? Is it never on? It on? Is it only here? Because I'm here today, right? It allows me to start asking questions to actually solve the problem. You know, to your observation thing, uh, Friday, I get to fly home and spend a few days with my beautiful wife, Cindy. Congratulations. I thank you. And when I come back... I'm going to be bringing my three GoPro cameras and we are going to set them up for the rush at 32. And I think that Randy and Kent and Andy and I, but we're going to sit down and we're going to review the game tape because when we do that, they won't have the opportunity to jump in because it's reviewing the game tape. And then we're going to do that observation because I, we agree on a lot of stuff. But on this one, I don't know how we could be any more in lockstep. People have got to do what is really hard to do during the rush, and that's observe the rush if the rush is ever going to get better. 
So we are, uh, you know, approaching 21, 22 minutes. I want to leave you with one more thought and then let's wrap this thing up in a bow for folks. We're talking about fire prevention. So I want to give our listeners a rock solid example of what we mean by finding the root cause of the problem. So let's say that you have food cost problem. Oh, and it is centered. Do people have food cost problems, Sam? Um, there's a couple, not everybody. Okay. But it's centered around, in this particular example, let's say that it's centered around food waste because we don't know how to order. Oh. So initially, we could say, let's teach them how to order, and that would help them. But if we dig a little bit deeper, which we should, we realize that they have no idea how to project their sales. So when they're in labor scheduler, Sam, what does labor scheduler have to do with food? And they're projecting me, pick me, pick me. And they're projecting their sales. Horshack, what does labor scheduler have to do with food cost? Why? The forecast or the dollar amount that labor scheduler creates, whether you adjust it or not, is the number that's fed into your EFO tool online. And it picks the days by the day. So if you're ordering for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it looks right to your labor scheduler and it picks the sales for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, which means if you never open labor scheduler, the forecast never gets created. And you have to plug in those numbers yourself. And I think what's really important, we've said this a lot, the listeners on this podcast are probably aware of these things, but you've got team members that aren't. You know, I, I talked to pretty high level team member in this organization and explained that to them. And they said, nobody had ever told me that. I think we look at our team members and assume they have these same experiences and knowledge that we do. And this just in, they don't. Well, Sam, that's because you and I are old. Well, that's true. (laughs) That's true. In the Bacon podcast where he's talking to University of Michigan, LSNA, she says, we've got to remember what it's like to not know when we're teaching folks. And there's no rocket science going on inside of a Domino's pizza store. Thank God. I'd be the only one here. But it's all very (laughs) difficult stuff if you don't know. I mean, I always laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I always laugh when people say EFO doesn't work. And I said, EFO always works. It is always correct. But if you lie to it, it will lie to you. Yep. The system doesn't work because it's crap in, crap out. Correct. So we've got to make sure we understand that. So if you're dealing with challenges, whatever the challenges they are, find the root cause of the problem. And yesterday I was talking to Kent and we've got a GM that needs to know how to use labor scheduler and do a sales forecast. And I said to Kent, how long do you think it will te- take us to teach him how to make a good sales projection? And he said, oh, I don't know, maybe an hour, maybe two. And I said, maybe five. And he says, wow, that's a long time. He said, but once you teach him that, if he's making food orders without that, how long does it take you to call six stores to find 20 trays of dough? And then how long does it take you to get it? And oh, by the way, you have to do it twice a week, every week for eternity. Now that five hours of learning seems like an investment with a really nice return. And that's what fire prevention is, gang. You've got to figure that out. All right. So in this episode, we've talked about when you don't realize you have a problem. I believe we should call this episode Supervisors Anonymous. Oh, I like it. My name is Sam. I'm a supervisor. Hi, Sam. Nice. (laughs) So supervisors, here's the thing. Have a plan. 
find ways to put out the fire and extinguish it forever. And yes, it may mean a time investment. And if you're investing that time in your top performers, they will get better and your good performers will want to be like them and they will improve too. If you're going to spend all of your time with the bottom performers, your top will leave because you're paying attention to the wrong people. And if they stay, they won't perform at their highest level. Correct. So, well, I, I say leave not to be all downtrodden, but there's a lot of turnover, right? A little bit. So that's where I'm coming from. And let's be crystal clear on this plan. As a multi-unit supervisor, if your expectation is 50 hours, 60 hours, 70 hours, 80 hours, 90 hours, whatever that number is, do not plan out all of them. Because this just in, things are going to pop up. But you should plan out at least one thing. I think most of us have seen the video on YouTube or Facebook of the Navy Admiral. Yes. He says, make your bed every day. Correct. So that when he gets home, he has accomplished something. Yep. No matter how bad the day went. I accomplished something. And it it sounds so stupid. Yesterday was not a great day here in the market. We had some wins. We had some losses. Uh, But even though I'm staying in a hotel, I made my bed yesterday. And when I came back, I'm like, Okay, well, you got that done. I make my bed every day in the hotel. Yeah, so so make that plan. Decide what has to get done today. And on a quiet time on Sunday, decide what has to get done next week. Make it achievable. Make it something that you're going to hold yourself accountable to and that's going to get done. And if it's just one thing for each restaurant you're in control of, I'm okay with that. If I may. You may. What I've, so when I first started doing this, I wanted soups to build a schedule. And I'm a fan of a schedule. You should have a schedule. Adults in careers have schedules. Yes, they do. As a supervisor, as I've done this more and more, the schedule matters less than this. Yes. That would be my strong suggestion. To Sam's point, I think you should have three things I want to get done today and then a star next to one that I absolutely have to get done beforehand. Non-negotiable. A non-negotiable. Before my day is done, I have to do this. And if you look at them and you follow the whole, I'm going to work with Sam on weighing food. I'm going to observe Sam placing a food order, whatever that is. It's going to have some time constraint to it because Sam has to be in the store. They can't be so busy. He can't do what I'm trying to observe. Right. So, so there's time constraints around the things you're trying to get done. Three things every day you want to get done. One that has to get done before you leave the stores. And if you start thinking that way, I can then knock off 15 to 21 things a week, depending on how many days you want to work and how many things you've got. And if I can kill seven of those 21 in a month, I'm in a really good place. If I can get to a place where I am doing 15, 18 of them a week, holy cow, the amount of momentum I pick up because of all the things happening is, is crazy. So again, it's less about having a schedule and more about having a plan that before I'm done today, I have to get these three things done. And now to Sam's point, a fire happens and you you can't escape the fire. Fine. I still have these three things to accomplish. I can't just go home because I I showed up in a 150 order hour that popped at one o'clock. Too bad. You still have stuff to do. You still get these three things to do. And if you start to think about it, you will prioritize 
doing these things to help make the team better, as opposed to just making pizzas to help the team feel good today. And that's the big difference. I'm going to do what they call in the biz, a cliffhanger. Ooh, cliffhangers. Because a inf- cliffhanger or a tease? A teasing cliffhanger. <gasps> oh, no. Because in front of me right now, I see five different rabbit holes that I think would be hugely valuable for each of our listeners. But I also see that we're in the 30-minute mark. So um, tune in to episode 62 to hear the rest of this conversation because... We're going to go rabbiting. We're, <laughs> we're hunting rabbits. Hunting rabbits. Oh, well, I guess that's episode 62's title now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you have been listening to episode 61. We're going to land this plane. Make a plan, go out, execute, get something done each and every day in each and every restaurant that's going to help you, as Simon Sinek would say, be ahead of the infinite game. I'm Sam with Fowler Consulting. I'm Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. Uh, You have been listening to episode 61. Make sure that you are telling all your friends about this podcast. If you post on social media that you are a follower, you'll get a just magnificent Drew and Sam Talk training hat pin. And as always, go out and sell more pizza and have more fun. That's all, folks.